Shalom. This is Rabbi Paul Saul from Congregation Shuv Israel in West Hartford, Connecticut. Today we're going to be considering Parsha Kitetse, which can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10, through chapter 25, verse 19. This past weekend, I went on a picnic with my wife and my youngest daughter at a local park, which is well known for its exceptionally groomed rose gardens. I hadn't been there in a while, but I was reminded at the time of a period over two decades ago when I took a leisurely walk with my wife and in-laws at the very same park, and we happened upon a very understated and unpublicized public demonstration. At the time, we went down a path that led to a small shaded pond, which we would sometimes go to relax and feed the ducks. That day, the pond was crowded with about 50 participants launching tiny replica sailboats. Several spectators, like ourselves, probably happened serendipitously upon the event. It was not immediately apparent what the significance of the boats was until a series of speeches were given which proclaimed the activity as a commemoration of the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki by the United States military. I was immediately impressed by the passivity of the demonstration against war in general and nuclear proliferation specifically. My father-in-law, though, was visibly upset. Though he was not a hawkish type at all, he reacted to what he understood as a simplistic and naive demonstration, one that had failed to acknowledge the lives saved by the historic bombing. One of those lives saved might have in fact been his own, since he had just finished boot camp in Biloxi, Mississippi, at the time of this unprecedented military action. It did not escape me then, or now, that the horrific attack on Hiroshima and Nagasaki may have ironically saved not only my father-in-law's progeny, but by extension, mine as well. We might ask, if it's necessary to take such drastic measures in dealing with the injustices that presently exist in this world order, to fulfill the mandate of compassion? This moral conundrum is still pressing to this day. Though I do not believe just civilization's desire to be involved in continuous and protracted violence, some would say it is often necessary for the greater good. It should be taken into account, though, that the decision to escalate the proportional response using weapons of mass destruction changed the entire history of violence exponentially. It was widely articulated that proportionality merely allowed those bent upon destruction to continue their activities longer and protracted the violence of war. President Harry S. Truman wrote concerning the decision to drop the bomb, quote, I felt to extract a genuine surrender from the emperor and his military advisors, there must be administered a tremendous shock which would carry convincing proof of the power to destroy the empire. Such an effective shock would save the many times the number of lives, both American and Japanese, that it cost, end of quote. Whether or not this is true, I believe that reasonable people cannot be comfortable with the nuclear proliferation that has followed the initial action, as well as the use of chemical weapons and other weapons of mass destruction. How should true believers feel then, attempting to hold hatred of violence and compassion for those victimized in creative tension with contempt for evil and the necessity in this world for swift and proportional justice? This week's Parsha Kitetse begins, Kitetse Amilchama, 
literally when you go to war the realities and assumptions of the ancient world are expressed in this statement from God by the mouth of Moses notice it says when and not if you go to war I don't believe this means that the Holy One universally advocates war rather that he recognizes that in this age there will be war in the ancient world life was governed and patterned by morally capricious and mean-spirited deities not a benevolent and purposeful God the message then was clearly understood grab what you can when you can but Torah initiates a change in how first Israel and then the other nations would begin to understand and eventually incorporate mercy and compassion into the fabric of society of course it can be this can be hard to observe from the first command given in this Parsha roughly paraphrased if a man takes a woman as a spoil of war he is commanded to give her a place in his harem rather than merely discarding her in the way in this way domesticating and systematizing war rape but there's also a caveat that if the man should grow weary of the woman he can then dismiss her but may not sell her into slavery now certainly these practices would not be deemed acceptable today anywhere in the civilized Western society the men of Israel are told how to treat women captured in war but are never told to keep their hands off instruction which from our ethical vantage point would be considerably better but within a world system where women were considered weak and inferior valued only for their physical appeal and procreative abilities the laws of Israel provided much greater protection in the ancient Near East when a woman's apparent fate was captivity she would then beautify herself in hopes of being accorded mercy by way of her captives only in the Torah of Israel are war captives afforded this level of civility given an appropriate length of time to mourn their dead while being cared for and protected and only then could they be married by their captors though it may sound ludicrous on the surface the biblical narrative and stipulations do describe a process of taming what is an already chaotic world Israel and its law system are radical and transforming to the ancient world of the Bible but they do not immediately overturn the entire social order of the existing world system to say they did not go far enough might seem like a gross understatement from our contemporary vista but they do introduce standards of mercy that were previously absent in the ancient world Torah describes the entrance of God's cosmic ordering into the socio-moral plane Israel in turn acts as a conduit of God's principles to a world already filled with disharmony violence and inequality Kitetse continues to lay out an array of commandments all concerned with ethical and moral treatment as well as compassion for all people and even animals the favoring of siblings is dealt with it deals with untruly a difficult unruly offspring it speaks about the dignity of the deceased compassion toward animals and the proper treatment of hired help these are all covered in this portion so like the treatment of women the statutes contained in this portion may at times seem inadequate dated and even irrelevant to us but in fact they represent a code and a trajectory 
that has changed and transformed the world and continues to do so, especially when God's people understand and apply the kavanah, the intention of these commands, ordinances, and judgments. They suggest to us that first and foremost, our Creator wishes us to imitate Him by bringing a touch of mercy into an already unjust world. Only in Torah can mercy and justice be held together in such a delicate tension. One ancient Midrash tells of a king who, in possession of a delicate set of glasses, desires to pour hot drink into them, but he fears that they might expand and would shatter. He also wishes to pour cold drinks into them, but fears that they might contract and break. So the choice that the Holy One makes is to mix the hot and the cold beverages and pour them into the glasses, leaving them uncompromised and intact. In the same way the Midrash continues, the Holy One, blessed is He, mixes together mercy and justice. For if the world were filled with only justice, who might stand? But if it were filled with only mercy, who would desire to? For evil would proliferate. So above all, God is the merciful one. If we wish to imitate him, we must bring compassion into all of the circumstances of life. The high holy days are approaching. It's a time of reflection and introspection. This is a time where we ask the Holy One how we might better reflect his glory in the coming year. Rachmanus, or compassion, is what we see in this Torah passion because God is a compassionate God. If we want to make him smile, we should ask ourselves this question. How can I be a more compassionate human being and bring mercy into an often unjust world? So as moms, dads, friends, neighbors, employers, and mostly children of God, how can we live and act more compassionately? Through the month of Elul, as you hear the shofar blow, and into the days of awe, just remember that Torah compels us to answer this question. I hope you found this Devar Torah thought-provoking. If you did, please continue each week to go to umjc.org to hear similar commentaries. It's been my pleasure speaking with you. This is Rabbi Paul Saul saying Shalom.